In the past, I think that I really did want to be admired, and I thought the respect just came with admiration. I, I thought they were one and the same. Being with my partner now has definitely raised my standard and made me realize, you know, what I do deserve and how I deserve to be treated. And looking back, I will never tolerate being treated the way I was now that I know what it's like to be treated correctly. You know, I used to think that being coerced into sexual intimacy was just something that happened, um, and I didn't really recognize how big a deal it really was. Welcome back to the Well Now It podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. Today's guest is Maya Siegel, and she is the founder of Space Speak. She founded it in 2019, and the purpose of it is to create a space dedicated to connecting young survivors and amplifying their voices, while also working to further the national conversation on consent. My conversation with Maya, I think, was was incredible, but also really important. By now, I'm sure a lot of my listeners have heard of the name Sarah Everts floating around on their social media timelines. On March 3rd, um, she went missing while walking home from a friend's house. Nine days later, it was confirmed that she had been murdered, her alleged killer, an active police officer. And since her disappearance and that week-long search before her body was found, it really sent shockwaves all throughout the world, sparking widespread conversations about women's safety in 2021. The practice of taking responsibility to protect yourself is nothing new for us females, and we're told from a young age to avoid dark streets, not wear headphones when you're out alone crossing the road to get away from individuals or groups of men and holding keys in your hands just in case you need to protect yourself and opening the front door quickly. There's so many of these things that we're told at such a young age that I know a lot of female listeners will relate to this. And also I know with this, the main issue here is that men need to start changing their behavior. I know a lot of my listeners are female, but I thought it would be really great to hear from Maya as she gives some great resources to educate yourself. So. If you have a friend that wants to learn more about it, I'd highly recommend passing off this episode or checking out her website, spacespeak.org. She also gives some advice on how to become a better ally to a sexual assault survivor. She talks about her own experience, um, as well as intimacy with a new partner or partners um, after a sexual assault. I really enjoyed my conversation with Maya. She's so sweet, a very kind person and very talented as well. She's got so many side projects going on and she's still in school. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. I'm here with Maya Siegel. Maya is the founder and executive director of Space to Speak, an organization dedicated to giving youth a leading voice in the sexual violence prevention movement. Under her leadership, Space to Speak helped raise over $118,000 for survivors experiencing domestic violence during COVID in 2020. In addition to her work with Space to Speak, she's also a web designer, strategy consultant, campus outreach manager, and full-time college student. Her work has been recognized in the Washington Post, HuffPost, MTV, and the New York Times upfront. Thank you so much for coming on, Maya. I know that you don't do many podcasts, so I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here and excited to talk more with you. Yes, of course. I usually start off my podcast by asking my guests what their childhood was like and their high school experience and their college experience. So do you mind telling the audience what that was like, and what you're currently studying in college. Before college, I was really into community service, and I think that's how I got into all of this work. 
Community service has been something that has been important to me for a lot of years. And I also was an athlete in high school. I was a swimmer and I played soccer. So I think my life really shifted in college from be from transferring from being an athlete to being more of a quote unquote activist. And in school, I'm a junior at Colorado State University. I study marketing and entrepreneurship. Oh, awesome. Okay. And how has your college experience been so far? You're in your third year, right? Yes, it's been definitely different than I expected, especially because of the pandemic. I've enjoyed being at CSU. I went into college pretty nervous about such a big change. You know, I'm somebody who's had the same friend group since I was in elementary school, honestly. I was really nervous about making that transfer, making new friends, being away from my parents. But I really enjoyed the time I've spent in college so far, and I'm really glad that CSU is a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know we were talking previously um, before the podcast that, you know, you have so many different side hustles and side jobs. So how do you balance it all while also having obviously a great circle of people to support you? I think that one thing that honestly did help me was choosing CSU because it allowed me to take a lighter course load. Um, and for me, that's about 15 credits. And it gives me the time to pursue the other things I'm passionate about. In high school, school was a large part of my life. And I think moving to college made me understand that life isn't just about school. And I'm really glad that I figured that out, that grades don't mean everything. And I hope that if there are some people out there who were more like me and were really freaked out about their grades, um, just know that getting a B isn't the worst thing. I, I've gotten one B in college so far, and I'm okay with that because I feel like I did my best and I learned a lot. And I want to speak about, you know, Space to Speak. It's an incredible organization. So for the listeners that don't know, do you mind um, telling the origin story about it and yeah, like how it came about? I started Space to Speak in my freshman year of college with another freshman in college who also goes to CSU. I was talking to him and just explaining how I am a survivor of sexual assault and how I really wish there were other young people who could relate to me. And that's not to say I hope there are other young survivors out there. I just meant that I didn't know anyone in my life who was a survivor, but I knew that it was a com it was common and I wanted to be in community with those people. And so I worked to start Space to Speak, and it's a community that's predominantly Gen Z survivors. And again, it's because I wanted to create a space for young survivors to be connected. I wanted a place where I could heal and where they could heal. And so that's how it started. It started by me reaching out to him and saying, you know, how can how can I build this and how can I get men involved as well? That's great. And how, do you think that has helped your personal journey of healing, creating this and hearing other people's stories? Um, like when you were like in, you know, when you were yourself experiencing it, did you have an outlet to go to? Well, when I first became a survivor, I was 14 and I spent a lot of years after that denying that anything had happened because I wasn't comfortable with that part of my identity and I wasn't really ready or equipped to, to handle that emotionally. But in my freshman year of college, I wrote a piece about rape kits and that really pushed me to realize that I had so much to say about this topic. And I think Space to Speak has helped my journey a lot because I didn't realize how many different ways a leader could look. I I was very shy and I didn't really think of someone like me as a leader. You know, I thought 
they have to be loud, they have to be very, very confident. And I wasn't those things. But I started Space to Speak and I've really learned a lot about delegating, about supporting others. And I'm really grateful for Space to Speak. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks like the team has grown a lot. So how many people are kind of involved with Space to Speak and kind of what is your role um, today with it? I am the executive director, so I oversee all of the projects in the different verticals. And currently there are 13 people on the team, including me, and they're amazing. They're from all different, you know, areas, both in the States and in other areas of the world. So very thankful that they are willing to be part of this team and build this dream all together. Mm -hmm. And when you first came out with Space to Speak and talking about your own journey, did you find that others were also encouraging of the movement? Like, did you find that a lot of people were like, hey, I'm also a survivor as well? Yes, I didn't realize how many people in my life were survivors. So I was a bit taken aback, but was really fortunate that the people in my life were supportive, especially my guy friends. I have a lot of male friends and was particularly concerned about how they would see me differently, possibly, or how they would respond to that. I was you know, wonderfully surprised. And do you find that people today are more likely to speak about their experiences as a survivor? Do you find it like since you first started Space to Speak, which is a couple years now, do you find that more people are willing to talk about it? I would say maybe not that much more willing to speak on it, mm -hmm. but definitely more than like 20 years ago. I think we're moving in the right direction and I'm hoping that Space to Speak you know, does give a place for survivors who weren't ready, but want to be ready and gives them that platform to speak if they want to. Mm -hmm. And have you encountered any challenges as an activist and also starting Space to Speak? I think one of the challenges would be fundraising, you know, to make the work that we do sustainable. Uh, as young people, I think it can be hard to do the work on a volunteer basis, which is why for me, you know, I hope Space to Speak one day can have full-time positions and pay young people for the work they do. But right now, the way that I try to balance that is, is really focusing on uplifting the other community members and especially the members on my leadership team, you know, when press opportunities come or even job opportunities that I don't have capacity to take on, or even if I have capacity and don't feel it's, you know, really the best fit for me, then I look to pass those opportunities on and just, constantly thank them and remind them of how grateful I am. And I want to talk about this this letter that you put out um, publicly. It was called Dear Survivor. And then there's a one part um, that I really liked what you said. I'll read out the quote. Um, there's a difference between being respected and being admired. Someone who truly respects you will not put their wants in front of your needs. They will ask you how I can make you feel safe before asking how I can make you feel good, which was so beautifully written. I will link the letter or like the post that you put out. Um, it's really beautiful. So for you personally, when was this turning point that you realized that, you know, these are some things that are really important to you? I think that that realization didn't happen until the relationship that I'm in currently. Mm -hmm. In the past, I, I think that I really did want to be admired. And I thought the respect just came with admiration. I, I thought they were one and the same. Mm -hmm. But being with my partner, now has definitely raised my standard and made me realize, you know, what I do deserve and how I deserve to be treated. And looking back, you know, I will never tolerate being treated the way I was now that I know what it's like to be treated 
correctly, you know, I used to think that being coerced into sexual intimacy was just something that happened. Um, and I didn't really recognize how big a deal it really was. I just thought it was a difference between like our sex drives, um, mm -hmm. but realizing more that it is an issue and I'm not going to be with somebody who is willing to put me in that type of uncomfortable position and make me feel like I owe them something. Yeah, that's such a powerful statement. So it's very, you know, I'd really admire you for, you know, realizing that that's really, really powerful. And speaking about um, intimacy and relationships, do you have any advice? Like you also wrote another post about sex and intimacy post assault, but do you have any advice for those who have gone through it and how can they better communicate their needs and boundaries with future partners? I can only speak from my personal experience, but I found that it really does take a lot of trust to feel emotionally safe. And so for me, I waited until I felt comfortable with my partner before being physical. And then I was really honest about my identity as a survivor. And I know some people aren't comfortable with that. But for me, explaining that I was a survivor really opened up that conversation for me um, and explaining to him that I recognize saying no is particularly difficult for me. It's just not something that's very comfortable and still something I'm working through. So I told him that. And we ended up coming up with a safety plan where he could check on me at each step and say, you know, is this okay? And then I, all I had to do was shake my head or pull away. I don't, I didn't even need to verbally say no. Mm -hmm. And I found that that was a really great step for me. And I know it won't work for everyone, but the more you're able to identify your boundaries and, and the better you can communicate those, I think would would benefit you and help you with future partners. Yeah, completely. And communication goes both ways. It's not just how you can better communicate with your partner if you've gone through sexual assault, but also how your partner can understand you better and communicate better with you. So it's really about understanding your partner's boundaries and especially what's gone on in the news and to hear what's happened to Sarah Everett. It's been so, so heartbreaking. And to hear about all the other stories that um, specifically females have gone through in terms of sexual assault really hits close to home because so many of us females have gone through something similar on different scales. Like for example, we're told not to go home alone. If it's in the dark, make sure you have a male friend with you to accompany you or to have a boyfriend around. It can be really, really terrifying. And I know that there was a post that was kind of trending around just that said like, text me when you're home. And I know that all my female friends, we constantly do that check up on each other just to make sure, you know, you got home safe. So do you have any resources on how men can educate themselves? And I know I have a lot of female listeners, but maybe they can pass it on to their partners. And also how just in general, how we can become better allies to sexual assault survivors. I think it starts with them really helping to move the conversation around street harassment, around sexual harassment, around violence forward. And that means acknowledging that men make up the majority of violence perpetrators and really challenging themselves and their friends on, you know, how can you redefine masculinity so it isn't tied with with us. And, and the thing is, you know, the chances are, if you're a man, you have friends that are a survivor. Um, but you also likely have friends that are perpetrators of it. And maybe if you don't want to use the word friends, at least, you know, acquaintances, I think it's really important to recognize that and understand that just because you aren't, you know, sexually harassing people, mm -hmm. sitting back and saying, I'm not doing it is not 
part of the solution. You know, you're part of the problem. If that's what you think it takes to be an ally, you really need to use your voice and you really need to have those uncomfortable conversations with your friends, whether you think it's your place or not, it is. If you know them, if it might be uncomfortable, yes, but if you really want to support survivors, especially female survivors, we will not be able to move forward without your voice and your support. Totally. And do you have, I know this is kind of maybe off off the top of your head, but do you have any resources that maybe men can go to, to learn more about it or, you know, how to be a better ally to a survivor? You could start by just educating yourself more on the topic. I'm guessing a lot of people don't know the sexual violence statistics, don't really know about the language to use. And you could start by going to RAIN or even, you know, um, a male founded organization like one in six, because you know, survivors exist as well. Um, and I think just starting there, you know, at the basic level, just educating yourself about sexual violence, but all, all of the ways it can exist, you know, it could be domestic violence, it could be inner um, partner violence, there are a lot of types of sexual violence as a whole. And it's important to be knowledgeable, and educated enough to be able to speak. Um, and to talk about it with your friends. So I think education is a great place to start. I think there are a lot of survivor orgs that you can learn from, and you could even go to Space to Speak's website. We have resources and guides about how to be a better ally as well. Mm-hmm. And I think a big, maybe misconception about, you know, the term sexual assault might be that they think automatically think that that just means rape, but there is obviously it's an umbrella term and it means a lot of different things as well. So that's really important, as you said, to educate yourself. Um, yeah, I've, I know Space to Speak definitely has a really good resources, so I recommend checking your website out. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And do you have any future plans for Space to Speak and where do you see it growing? I know it would be awesome to have in-person events, but maybe not the, the next few years. Yeah. So what are your plans? Well, right now we're really focused on the survivor community and that's a resource for survivors and allies. But when we're thinking of allies, We mostly mean partners of survivors. Anyone is technically welcome, of course, though. Um, And we're working on scaling the survivor community, but not only scaling, just ensuring that that community is a place where we can engage in those vulnerable conversations that maybe would be less comfortable on Instagram and less feasible. So we're really focused on how we can better support the survivors in our lives, how we can be there for them day in, day out, and really focusing on community care in addition to, you know, that self-care piece. You advocate for self-care, but Space to Speak as a whole is looking at community care and how we can be there for each other, not just when horrible things hit the news. You know, it's something you do every day and it's not something um, you just post about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what about for your future plans in terms of your career? I know you still have another year finishing up with school, but what do you kind of hope to see yourself doing maybe in the next few years? It's really hard to say. I'm I'm very open-minded of where I might be in the next year or two. You never Mm -hmm. know. Um, Right now, I am, like you mentioned, really working to finish out my college career. Mm -hmm. And then I hope one day to own my own own my own company because I feel that I I just I'm very interested in entrepreneurship and the potential social impact that you can have as long as you ensure that profit doesn't come at the expense of people and I know that's something 
a lot of people value, but not enough people implement effectively. And I'm going to be really cognizant of that moving forward. And I know we we mostly only spoke about space to speak, but for my listeners, uh, Maya also designed some really cool websites. So I'll link them like all in there as well. So like, are you developing? Are you like coding all of this? Is this from like a like a template or how are you having the time to build all these websites too? It's so impressive. In terms of website design, mm-hmm. I usually do the design versus the development side. Um, yes. There's a little custom code, no problem. If it's a lot, I will outsource that to developers. Mm-hmm. And I really found this niche just by realizing that a lot of my friends are just really cool people and they need to mm-hmm. have a site, but it's usually not affordable. Websites cost thousands of dollars. And mm-hmm. so I started this just as a service for my friends to do it at an affordable rate as another way to uplift their voices and be there mm-hmm. for them in the, the way I knew how. So that kind of just grew into a business and it was kind of accidental, but it's one of the only things that I never get tired of doing. So I'm very grateful and excited to continue working with other young leaders and uplifting their work and their voices. And hopefully you'll check out the clients that I've worked with because each of them has a very unique story and is doing a lot of amazing work. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you so much, Maya. Do you have any final thoughts or um, any other resources that my listeners can go to today? Like they don't like, doesn't have to be like a big course or anything, but what is something that they could do today to kind of make an impact? I think that anybody has the potential to make an impact. And even if you're not somebody who's like a grassroots organizer, you can make an impact within your community just by using your voice, staying educated, and just fighting for what you care about. You know, we all want to see the values that are so close to our hearts in our world. And obviously, like, the same to you. And I think, as mentioned before, a leader can look so many different ways. And you don't have to be the founder of an organization or a nonprofit to be a leader. You can do it through whatever you're passionate about. You can be a doctor, you can be a therapist. There are so many ways to help the community. And I always um, am looking to, to pair my unique skills and make an impact that way. And I, I would say that's my best advice for others. We're looking to make an impact. Just use the, the tools and skills that you have and that are unique and special to you. And there's so much room and space for you in this world to make a difference. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maya. Your story is incredible. You are so brave, so powerful. And where can everyone find you? Where can people find Space to Speak? Thank you so much. In terms of following us, you can always go to spacetospeak.org, which is our website. Our Instagram is also at spacetospeak.org. And that was Maya Siegel. If you like this episode, please subscribe and let me know what you thought on my Instagram at wellnowatpodcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.